I heartily endorse this event or product. Ahoy hoy everybody and welcome to Talk to the Audience where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, the TGI McScratchies patron, Bob Mackey, and who is here with me today as always. Hey, uh, there's nothing better at Christmas than listening to Italians sing a Spanish song. It's Henry Gilbert. Hello. With Italian family, perhaps. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and yes, this is Talk to the Audience. It hits at the end of the month for patrons, the beginning of the month for people on the free feed. And what we do in this podcast is talk about what's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world. And we also answer your questions and comments from the last round of episodes that have been posted to the Patreon account. And it is a, a slow news month. Mm-hmm. And we're also recording this episode a week early because Henry and I are both going on respective trips to yeah. different places. This is our last Talking Simpsons of the year that we're recording in person. So, yeah, it's, uh, or no, that we're recording, period. The period, next, yeah. The next time you hear something we've recorded, it will have been recorded in January. Old man 2022 will be dead. <laughs> uh, how do you like it down there, boy? Yeah. Um, I'm going to hold that new baby. <laughs> I'm looking when it forward hits, uh, to 2023. That. Yeah, boy, that new baby has a lot of stuff stuff in store for us i think yes so, uh, hopefully not another global pandemic is what i'm referring to but like uh, uh, us moving places yes yes uh, <laughs> i don't think uh the COVID's fine yeah i mean well everybody's accepted it's fine and we're just all gonna get it don't, don't look at numbers <laughs> yeah especially if you're traveling but uh yes there were some new episodes this uh month and i was only able to watch one of them because the first one on our list was not on hulu Oh really? Is that the most recent one? Uh, you mean Top Goon or the? Oh, Game Done Changed. Oh, that, I uh, I watched it on Hulu. Okay, uh, weird. I've I have signed into Hulu before and not seen episodes on it, but uh, yeah, this is the uh, Roblox or Boblox episode. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Boblox, sorry, Roblox is uh, the thing to confuse you if you are uh, only old enough to know about Minecraft. Yes. Or, or so old that you only know about Minecraft. Rather, it's it's so like. I hate that Minecraft is a retro thing now and that Roblox is the new thing for kids. And honestly, the fact that The Simpsons is parodying it means that it's like five years out of uh, the, uh, being the top hot thing now, honestly. I, I knew about uh, Roblox because at our old job, we had a coworker who was also a Roblox streamer. That was the first time I heard about it. He was streaming exclusively to children because there's a child audience, and he was afraid they would find his gay furry account. <laughs> that was a danger for him, yes. Yeah. I hope I hope it all worked out for him. But, yeah, I remember he also talked about of like uh, people would come on the Twitch and complain, like, well, why are you talking about your husband or whatever? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, I'm not going to suck his dick on the stream. <laughs> like, I'm just mentioning I have a husband. These homophobic children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, the, the game doesn't change. It's a Barton Skinner episode. They do a they do a scam at Boblox, uh, and it's all right. They, I mean, their animation style done in that 3D style was interesting to see, uh, that they act out a ton of stuff in the world. There have been many better Bart Befriend Skinner ones, uh, though I, I do think it's kind of interesting that the way they do it is Skinner wants to get all that money to build a stage to have uh, amazing performances on so it can be a, a performing arts school. And uh, he sings, and, you know, Harry Shearer didn't phone it in, I'll say. I think uh, he, he didn't try his hardest, but he did good. I just want to be in the heads of uh, both 60-year-old Nancy Cartwright and 80-year-old Harry Shearer <laughs> when they get a Roblox-based parody sent yeah, to them. That's a good point. Yeah, and then, oh, and the rest of 
of the family also gets obsessed with it too and and then there's a wire parody which i'm like it's 20 years old now guys but okay all now, right. now it's a classic <laughs> and i did watch this other one it was good it was like uh not quite a christmas episode but it was a winter season episode called uh top goon which was a top gun parody about uh mo and nelson bonding and it taught me a lot about what a goon is yeah oh yeah i learned that I didn't watch the movie, but there was a movie of over a decade ago called, I think, just Goon, starring um, Sean William Scott. Sean William Scott. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Yes. Uh, yeah. I only know this because Scott Ackerman would call it Go On. Oh, all right. Yes, that's right. Uh, but yeah, I, I knew that then. Obviously, we don't really watch hockey and know what a goon is, but this explained it pretty well. It does seem to be from written by people who love hockey and uh and mo and nelson are a fun combo they're both pig-nosed ugly jerks they're both hideous and hateful and they <laughs> find a good bond together and i also like that now when an episode like that cincinnati episode though this isn't as extreme of excluding the family they're still a big part of it uh but it the opening is mo sizzlack to let you know it's a, a mo episode uh and it's funny too that in this episode that where it's about Homer being a bad dad. It's just that he does all the things with Bart and openly hates it instead of just not doing it at all. Yeah, like, this is really anti-child sports in that uh, <laughs> I could tell this comes from a lot of dads who were forced to attend a lot of games and practices. And I think my parents, they don't know the blessing I gave them by not being into sports. Oh, yeah, man. And well, and the parents who had to go through it before having a, a, a phone to stare at, like uh, I, I like the joke of Homer saying, I'm going to, he's going to stare at his phone all the way on the drive there. I'm going to stare at my phone the entire time I'm in the stands. And then we're both going to stare at our phones on the way back, like some bonding. I think before that, the parents would just drink at the games and then get into fights. Maybe the f iPhones have made it uh, harder for people to get as drunk and get in fights at uh, kid games. I hope yeah. so. Now, when I watched this, uh, King Toot appeared very unceremoniously played by Will Forte. And I was thinking, you can't just drop a character named King Toot in my lap. <laughs> but it turns out he has played this character twice before so this is not the introduction of king toot he was in like a season 24 episode and a season 30 episode both of which i have not seen yeah i, I when i went to the page too of like wait he, this can't be the first time but like even on the wiki page i should watch those episodes but on the wiki page they note of like yeah the old owner of king toots who was seen in multiple episodes has been dropped yeah. and now it's retconned that king toot owns it i happen to guy. be that moron <laughs> i guess you know uh, uh but will forte very funny yes he's, he's great and there were three guys in it who the second they talked to, i was like well these have to be real guys because they're bad actors uh it's Stu grimson Dave Schultz and Tiger Williams, which uh, are apparently famous goons from the world of hockey. And hey, if it, if that made you excited to see him, then good on you. Yeah, drawn with all, with all their teeth. And I wonder if that's the case in real life, if <laughs> yeah. they actually have all their teeth. You know, they're successful enough. They can get new teeth or, mm -hmm. or the very least dentures. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I also like to, I wish they'd have referenced like, hey, Lisa, why don't you play hockey? Like you're, you were pretty good at hockey too, remember? Uh, but at least it doesn't end this is slight spoilers but i'm glad it does not end in a championship hockey game but in an entirely unexpected third act which i i approve of yes it was a good episode and of course there was a new short this month and we all love these shorts don't <laughs> yep. we every time there's a new one on disney plus i'm like oh boy each one is shorter and selling more things to you <laughs> yes yeah the simpsons meet the bocellis in feliz navidad who yes uh, well you know you're like Homer, we're all like Homer in this one. I only know Andrea Bocelli because 
he has his song time to say goodbye or conte to parade well time to say goodbye it is featured prominently in a couple episodes of sopranos for plot purposes okay so i knew it from that and i actually was so into sopranos that i did put it on like a big cd just to listen to sometimes i'm not saying i listen to it a million times but i was not aware that the uh visually impaired beloved italian tenor had two children and that he wants to sing with them now but boy did he i think you're allowed to say blind oh sure i think that's just the word for it which is surprising to me yeah it does like it's not like sightless or visually impaired you can say blind it's okay i was i was scared to say it i don't know it's the woke it's the woke scolds out there they're after you virus has infected so many myself no okay but yes it's uh, it was the typical fawning over a famous person. He does the thing he's most famous for, which is sing a song. Bart sings along with it. I do like the joke that Homer says, hey, this isn't Valentine's Day. Like, sing a Christmas song. Yeah, it's mostly just the singing of songs without a lot of gags. And it's so slight, it's hard to get mad about it. But it's just, it's a, it's a nothing. It's, it's built to sell <laughs> his uh, Christmas CD, which is not a Disney label, but it's like Universal Music Group has a deal with Disney. I think that's why mm. they were commissioned to do this. Yeah, it was funny to read the, the next bit of news we have. is like, in the interview... Al Jean says, like, you know, they came to us. It's like, well, that's a that's one way to say it. I'm yes. sure they yeah, but it clearly I didn't need to read Al Jean to answer this, but Andrea Bicelli wanted to impress his kids by having them become Simpsons characters and meet the Simpsons, and so he got his wish and they did meet the Simpsons. That reminds me of an interview I was reading about the show Wednesday on Netflix. It was about Tim Burton. And the person representing the show was like, well, you know, Tim uh, usually does movies, but something about this project really spoke to him. And it's just like, yes, I can see the dump truck of money being backed up and emptied into his driveway. <laughs> and he's like, but I just have to, like, uh, be in two meetings. All right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, he directed half of those episodes. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. He yeah. really worked. All right. Well, I also think he uh, took on that dump truck of money because... Uh, it was COVID time and you didn't have uh, probably a couple projects stalled. But yeah. Just like all the other Disney Plus shorts, the best funniest stuff is just the slideshow at the end of good drawings. Yeah. Like, hey, make a short of those. I know. They're the pitches for the fun. Uh, I really hated it that when I went to the Disney Plus page for it, the image up top is that one of Homer in the Santa suit with Huey Dewey and Louie on his lap. I should have known it wasn't a real thing in the episode. Yeah. Just, but that's a lie on Disney's part to put that at the top. It's a mislead. And speaking yeah. of that, there are a few Disney jokes. And I just I want them to stop because they're <laughs> so toothless and they just irritate me. And it feels like just like patting Disney on the back for, for, for buying them, essentially. Yeah. And like, hey, we're good sport. Yeah. It just it doesn't feel the same as the Rupert Murdoch jokes. Yeah. I just can't. I Yeah. I mean, there's the bit of mickey saying like hey you can't do that or whatever and it but it's also like i don't know get it also just feels weird like get the real voices like i mean dan does an okay goofy and nancy any nancy's a all right mickey but it's like just get the real voices then it'll actually feel real i was surprised this was so short because we'll talk about balenciaga at the end of this new segment but i was like how long was that that's 10 minutes long but i think that was funded through like the disney plus cameo account where you give them 50 million dollars and they make you a simpson short i think this came from internally within disney because they wanted to promote something the budget was totally different between this and the other i mean both come from italian sources but uh, uh. balenciaga had different a different scale of money. I though I also think probably 
Silverman, uh, David Silverman had fewer, had a l- less time to. It's like the entire thing is set in the living room in front of the tree. And it's, but I mean, it wouldn't be Simpsons without something Christmassy. So I guess on a certain level, I'm glad they had a Christmassy thing. But yeah, it's just yeah. like. <laughs> it, is, it is just the, the one living room. And uh, when the characters are singing, it's not like you're shown a sequence that like represents <laughs> the song. You're just looking at the characters singing. Yeah, there's one time, especially when they're singing Feliz Navidad, which they sing fine. They're very good singers. It's, uh, but I was just like, OK, what's going to be an embellishment for this of just them standing there singing and like. Andrea Bocelli moves his uh, shoulders like da, 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 like to beat him like that's it that's that's the embellishment yeah again yeah. it's it's a trifle it's not worth getting upset about but yeah. I I I never like these <laughs> uh, there's worse commercials they've done. oh yeah the Star yeah. Wars one is way worse than this one by far <laughs> I'm glad they're out of the Star Wars now oh yes. they'll be yeah. back uh, <laughs> and there is a new Al Jean interview about the shorts uh, that it involves uh, him talking about the writing process apparently like with a lot of writers rooms they're just zoom only yeah it's 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 interesting to hear how remote they are now that was something carolyn omine mentioned to, uh, a little bit too when i asked about the uh you know you heard that she told us about the crows uh at the writer's room i'm like oh do you guys still see him or, or are you guys still remote she's like no we're we're still remote in the writer's room and so it was interesting and my favorite part of the interview is hearing al Jean talk about how like yeah, we have people in like Europe sometimes, or people who are working from Hawaii. So I wonder if that was Amine working from uh, Hawaii. She, yeah, I wonder uh, where she at. Where she at now? But yeah, it's. I mean, for Gene's uh, purposes, it's funny that like he used to. He destroyed his own life as well as others, his own personal life, while working eighty-hour weeks uh, and hundred-hour weeks on The Simpsons. I now. For 30-ish years later, he can uh, do it remotely and and be able to just like, oh, I don't even have to drive to work anymore. Also, obviously, no in-person table reads, which means you went to one of the last ones. Yeah, oh, it's so sweet, man. We'll never, <laughs> uh, you know, now we just got to get to go to the next season premiere party. I'm, I'm cashing in favors next year. Huh. I'm going to say like, hey. Uh, let's let's uh, do this. You can get on that Simpsons ride; it'll be dimmer than ever. But uh, Matt Selman might be next to you. Uh, he'd uh, and he'll be happy to sit next to me. Yeah. yeah I, and yeah, also Al Jean pitched what every one of these interviews ends with, like, "Well, what's the next Disney short?" And man, his pitch was very Al Jean at the end of it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can I say what it is? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a Sunset Boulevard uh, parody starring Maggie. Yes. Yeah. Which. Hey, it could be funny, could not be, but it is referencing a movie from over seventy years ago. Yeah, so that's that's and we and also me and Bob love Sunset Boulevard. Oh, it's great! Like, it's yeah, great. It's a great film. I love it, but, but uh, maybe not appropriate for the Maggie shorts. Let's not have any more Maggie shorts. I think yeah. after you didn't win the Oscar, uh, I would just give up on those. Yeah, and again, I was like, if you guys want to win the Oscar for this short let david silverman actually just fucking do shit and you guys don't write anything mm-hmm. i also don't want to see a short about a baby going on a date yeah how about we stop with that shit yeah yeah rugrats <laughs> is over guys ended a long time ago there was a recent gq video also another interview style thing uh it was with uh, matt selman executive producer and david silverman uh he's been with the show for a very very long time since the very beginning and it's them going over a lot of uh trivia and facts about the show uh i guess one new thing came out but i had the captions on and i was just paging through the interview by reading it and it's just like well these are things for normies and if you listen to our podcast and have heard all the commentaries these are all stories you've heard before which is impossible to come up with new stories in these interviews because these people (laughs) have been talking about the show over and over again yeah they uh, they did have like two things that i was like okay that's like five percent more of a story i didn't know but 
uh i mean it was just neat to see silverman and selman palling around and like uh i think it was funny that al Jean in his interview he got a couple questions like boy i think the season's really on a roll this year and he's got to get these questions of like algae knows it's because he's not working as much <laughs> as a showrunner and silverman even goes like he like hugs selman and goes like this guy's really pushing us into new places it's like yeah this uh, if I was Al Jean, I'd be a little grumpy about it, but they're also right. Selman is this, making the show better. This young 51-year-old. <laughs> I was looking up the the writer of the Top Goon episode. I was like, oh, he's a new name to me. How old is he? 45. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Youngest youngest writer on The Simpsons ever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, the most interesting thing to me was one, they talk about a deleted scene of the directors uh, that I've mentioned before from the, uh, from the front where it is they put a stick of dynamite in a cat's mouth and they're surrounded by artists who are like using it for uh for visual reference for right. scratch and that's on the dvd right it's on the dvd yeah. and, and they have it on the gq thing and i've talked about it because it feels like the only time i ever saw carlos baeza draw himself into the show oh really okay yeah. and uh he's he's the one guy in the group i'm like well this is all the directors that um more tan individual among them the only not white guy among them he ha uh, he has to be carlos baeza uh and, and silverman said it got cut because the censors didn't like the the animal violence in but sure it. kill <laughs> kill as many birds as you want on the show and it, i felt bad for silverman because it's like oh one of his rare appearances of the artists on the show and cameo like the writers all get a big cameo but in that episode a real self-aggrandizing one but the artists no no way nope not gonna happen uh, and yeah that was a fun interview but again if you listen to our podcast and listen to the commentaries you might have heard all of these stories before i did like selman admitting that he said like on writing the movie he said for a crazy weekend in the script hank scorpio was the villain and then it was albert brooks who said he didn't want to do hank scorpio again <laughs> and he made up russ cargill so instead so, he did just the same voice again and they drew him differently yeah throw, yeah i mean you know albert brooks he is a genius he's made lots of great movies he's he's great in every episode he's in on the simpsons he made i'm gonna just say he made the wrong call there yeah and they were wrong to listen to him yeah but i guess for them it's like well if albert doesn't want to do it we were not going to make him do hank scorpio but absolutely the wrong call and yeah. this uh last news item is is barely simpsons related but we need news and this is a big thing that happened <laughs> that has really died down in the past month because it just happened like in late november where uh, Balenciaga, the Italian fashion brand, uh, you know, you can buy an $800 t-shirt that looks like you bought it at Target, and that's the joke. <laughs> yes, that's what yeah. they do. It's um, ridiculous. <laughs> but they thought it'd be fun to, like, prod all the QAnon psychos out there by putting basically what amounts to child sex trafficking Easter eggs in their new campaign. Ooh. Uh, because I can see, I mean, I, I believe that they're sickos, but I don't think that they're pedophiles, even though the sexual abuse in the fashion industry are, like, the bedfellows, basically. Yeah, no pun yeah. intended. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say they're right behind the Catholic Church, probably, and like most abusive uh, collective of people. But I could see some rich art sicko going, wouldn't it be devilish if we prodded <laughs> culture a bit? <laughs> uh, yeah, I figure they thought they thought like, oh, we've done this all the time, commenting on popular culture. This is just another one of those things. Yeah. but And then, uh, yes, this is what gets people shot. This is what causes mass shootings. Let's fucking stop it. I mean, this this is stupid as hell. Don't do this. Uh, Bob, who are you to censor their art? You know, like, no, no, they, this is ridiculous. It's also, I was just thinking about it because I was rewatching all of Mr. Show. And it reminds me of the, the sketch of the fashion designers who 
have visions of the apocalypse and they just want like a baby's head on a spike is the design for it it's it's such like first draft edgelord shit like what if a teddy bear had a dominatrix outfit on oh how devilish and could he- you imagine <laughs> innocence and sexuality you know italians have no sense of humor that's what i'm gonna say yeah they, they are not funny i stick to plumbing <laughs> and pasta and you even uh found uh i i forgot where it was but a changed line in a recent simpsons that they didn't change in the uh in the subtitles or the closed captions yes yes uh somebody on our discord pointed that out where at the last minute they changed a balenciaga line where skinner is talking about like confiscating a kid's balenciaga fanny pack they changed it to something else so it was such a hot button issue at that moment that they changed a line in the episode i guess if you're talking about a child wearing balenciaga it's like yeah we're they're they're pretty scared of that <laughs> like, yeah they, they they all have their uh assassination coordinates note yes is that even a joke when you guys are hearing this now or this will go know. live in about a week and a half so who oh, knows yeah <laughs> uh but yes uh, a bad bad thing to do and i was surprised that all throughout this the short never went down but that's because it is not hosted on disney plus it is hosted on balenciaga's youtube page so i believe if this was hosted on disney plus it would be taken down but it was not i bet you're right man boy that that they get to host it just on their YouTube page and not on Disney Plus, like they must have really paid a lot of money for that thing. Like I said, it's their Disney Plus cameo. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's if you're a billion dollar brand, you can definitely make the Simpsons do whatever you want now. <laughs> yes, uh, hopefully we'll get that rich one day. I, I hope so too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, with your help, we can. So here is some news about us. Let's talk about what's happening in our world, our schedule, and all that good stuff. So what is happening in January? Well. Your favorite podcasters are getting a little lazy because just like last year, and I believe the year before, maybe not, we are taking the first week of January off on the Patreon and the second week of January off on the free feed because our schedule is staggered. Of course, the Patreon people get stuff first. The free feed people wait a week. So that's how it's working out for us. So there will be no new What a Cartoon episode in January as it was last week. But you will get some bonuses that if you are not on the Patreon at a certain level, you might not have had access to in the past. So there will be something posted for you, but uh, no quote-unquote new content because we need to take a little time off. It's been a busy year. Yeah, it has. It's been a real busy year, a productive year, and a, a very successful year for us on the Patreon. Thanks to all of you new and old supporters for signing up. But Ah, yes. December, pretty much from Thanksgiving until today, has been a very, very busy uh, few weeks for us. Yes, incredibly busy. And I believe there will be another week in the year where we will take that off because we noticed, like, podcasters can take a week off? (laughs) What? No Uh, one told me. Yeah, our pals at Podcasts Ride and uh, and, and the Doughboys, they're leading the way in that. Yeah, hey, last podcast on the left. uh, I think We Hate Movies are the only people that uh, never take the week off. We need to tell them, like, hey, you guys can take a week off. It's it's okay. But, yeah, I would... So... But it's not that you're getting nothing on those weeks off, though. No siree. Yeah, like I said, you'll get some content that you might not have had access to if you're not a $5 and up patron or even a $10 and up patron. Yeah, yeah. You will have hours of stuff to listen to uh, that that might not be new to you. Yes, but hey, we're taking some time off. It's the holidays. (laughs) Hug your family. Yeah, hug your family. Listen to these old things with them. Tell them, like, hey, here's how funny these guys are. Grab their phones, uh, download the Patreon (laughs) app, sign up, get their credit cards we're asking you this uh boy i uh, side note uh there was a very nice person on twitter who let us know that like their 
child was quoting like oh boy bobby and ahoy hoy we're like oh well we swear a lot yes uh, i you know in the new year i'm going i got invited to a royal rumble viewing party at a pal's house and people are bringing their kids there to it who like are like eight uh like seven and ten now wrestling's not for children <laughs> well i'm just thinking like I am just so used to saying swears whenever I feel like it, and I simply can't. And when I get into the excitement of wrestling, I go like, "Ah, fuck! He didn't get it." Now I'm gonna have to like self censor and be like, "No, no, no, little kids, right here." Well, recently you were posting about your role models as a, as a teen and young adult, and they were all like foul mouth Gen X video store clerks. Yes, yeah, it's uh, it's a problem. It's a problem. <laughs> Knowledgeable yet prickly foul mouth video store clerks. Those. those who I grew wanted to be when I grew up. And for a brief time, I was. Bad influences all around. <laughs> Look, if I had to pick one to be, it wouldn't be Randall. I had to include Randall because he is the video store clerk. I am Dante. I am not Randall. Like, if I'm if I'm part of that dyad, I am Dante. Well, that makes me sure. Randall. Uh, I guess it does, yeah. Well, in body types, we're, we're more, I'd say that's where you we You know what be. your problem is, Henry? <laughs> uh, I'm not even supposed to be on this podcast today. Yes, you are. It's yes, scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's happening in the first week on the Patreon and the second week on the free feed. Yes, we know it's complicated, but that's how we like to do things here. <laughs> Let's talk about our schedule for our miniseries episode. So for $5 and up patrons, we have a new Talking Futurama all about love and rocket. It is the episode in which Bender dates the ship, who is voiced by Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, we just recorded that one. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, We're getting into love stuff a month early uh, for Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah, these two Valentine's episodes synced up because the next one we're doing in January is a Talking of the Hill episode all about, and they call it Bobby Love. Both are about breakups, and and they call it Bobby Love is the sole episode to win the Emmy for yeah. Best Animated Show. Meet the Simpsons yeah. that year. Yeah, it's... Uh, it is a really great episode that also has a dorky lead character. Well, I guess Bobby's dorky. Bender's a jerk, not dorky, but dating a character played by a gorgeous movie star. <laughs> In their competing time slot. Yeah, hey, that's right. Sarah yeah. Michelle Gellar. Gellar. Uh, it's, I can't wait to do that episode. We haven't recorded it yet, but I, I also really like that one. It it does remind one of being the dorky guy in uh, middle school who might get attention from someone and then wondering <laughs> if it's real or not. I could talk about all my terrible breakups and how this episode is too accurate. Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> well, you didn't eat a giant steak though, did you? Uh, look, I'll say I'll find yeah. out when we record it. I didn't eat a giant steak, but I did throw up. <laughs> uh, so coming up next in January, our what a cartoon movie for January is going to be Dumbo, uh, the classic. It's going to be let's just say in january we're gonna get ready to dumbo <laughs> uh like they say in the, the famous trailer let's get ready Thanks to dumbo. dumbo oh right oh god were you right. alive in 2019 i What's totally going on? forgot and that i i wanted to erase from my memory that was it was the michael buffer dude saying it wasn't it, it might have yeah. been let's get ready for dumbo uh, i don't know but hey we're gonna go back to the feel good days of 1940 yeah. or 41 <laughs> i forget uh and boy, I guess we're going to have to uh, pull out the Blu-rays for it because I think the version on Disney Plus is a little shorter of Dumbo. It just hit me. They don't have Whoopi Goldberg telling you it's okay? I don't think they do. I think I think the birds aren't in it. Really? Not at all? Uh, I remember hearing that when it first started. I mean, I guess I got my phone right here. I can just pull up Disney Plus and take a look. We, of course, we're talking about uh, the character James Crow. Yeah. Beloved. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, it is a 
I liked that song a lot as a youth. I won't. I won't lie. Well, we'll get into it. But yes, it's uh, we're going back to classic Disney. We had taken a little time off from Disney. Uh, we, but it's a perfect one to follow up Pinocchio. We went from their lavish, gigantic budget to a bit lower budget in the compromise and the war is about to start and things are tough for old uh, for old walton company you know i'm looking at it now and the running time on wikipedia is the same as the running time on disney okay, plus well hey look at that it comes uh. it even comes with the warning all right i i could be wrong but i swear when disney plus launched i was reading stories that the crows were not on disney plus but i know where the crows are at here oh yep there they are yeah okay <laughs> Oh, uh, you even heard it play. I thought I turned down the volume. You need them in the movie. They serve a vital role. And yes, of course, the, the 2019 remake is twice as long because it needs to be. Of course it is. Yeah, that's that's the Tim Burton touch. He makes it greater. They yeah. paint spirals on things. They make it too long. <laughs> so that's what's happening in January. Uh, as for our live show, uh, if you want to go, well, I hope you bought tickets because <laughs> as of this recording, the current venue that we are in has sold out very quickly. So uh, that's happening Wednesday, January 25th. But we hope to see you there. We got the chop bump from our pal matt chrisman yeah absolutely and, uh, and chris wade too thank you to both of them for uh helping promote the show and instantly selling it out as soon as you guys promoted it yeah, it turns out when a podcast with two hundred thousand listeners gets a plug for your live show uh <laughs> it sells out very quickly uh so yeah we we can't wait to do it uh we have had to wait an entire extra year to do it uh our last live show uh together bob has done uh, a couple uh retronauts live since then but i haven't done a live show since the 2020 piano fight show we did for Sketchfest, so literally three years it will be three years between our live show the one with uh, jordan morris right yeah the, that was great too yeah. and uh and i have been saving a pair of mr plow shoes to wear to that <laughs> event for three years now so. yeah yeah i guess that was summer 2020 those release but yes yeah. uh, it will be available on the podcast feed we will mm -hmm. release the live show on the podcast feed if you if you can't make it uh that's the best way to listen to it yeah and you know what uh if you can't be there you can at least be there in spirit because uh the awesome nina matsumoto designed a new shirt inspired by the subject of simpsons predicted it that is on sale at our t public store look for talking simpsons podcast on t public or we did a post for it on the patreon as well uh it is a great great new t-shirt to, to join all her other great t-shirts on there yes and just like the other ones it is based on our current panel that's right yes and uh you can get it you know regular tea version you can get it in hoodie version there's there's so many different ways to get it there's also always a sale on tea public too so yeah uh, look look check for yourself and like all of our shirts it's legally distinct enough that we're allowed to sell it oh yes yeah hey that could be any kid's bottom of his head just because yeah. it looks like it could be bart's head doesn't mean it is it's not you, bart. you thinking it is is copyright infringement <laughs> so yes that's what's happening more scheduling stuff we're thinking about 2023 what that will hold uh we want to scale back a little bit and uh, work smarter, not harder, but in the real way, not in the way your boss tells you where he really <laughs> means work harder and shut up. And because of that, uh, so our current schedule, the way it works out is, uh, you know, most Mondays of the month are full. But if there is a month with five Mondays, well, one of those Mondays is blank. And there are four of those five Monday months in the year just because of how the Roman calendar works. Well, we decided to fill those Mondays. Uh, so there will be a bonus episode every week on the Talking Simpsons Network. And what we're going to fill those four slots with is episodes of Blab About Batman, the animated series. So it'll be four new episodes of that 
in the new year, throughout the year, in those months with Five Mondays. And then we th- we're thinking about our annual miniseries. We don't know what we want to do yet, but we will probably do a month-long miniseries in December of next year to close out the year. Uh, just because we've come to the realization that it's very hard to do an 8 to 13 episode miniseries on top of uh, everything else we're doing. And for me, on top of Retronauts, and I'm also finishing a book I'm writing. Yes, yeah. And and especially the an extra thing that adds crunch to the end of the year is that we're having to prepare like, well, all right, we're both about to take off a week to two weeks of, of not recording. We have so much we have to prepare for. And so then it's like, oh, also let's let's record eight episodes or even thirteen episodes of a miniseries on top of that. It yeah, it adds a bit. It adds a bit. So yeah, I'm I'm not making any promises for next year, but we'll have a lot more time to work when we're in our new living situations, Henry and I. And uh, I think a month long miniseries could justify something of limited appeal, like uh, Daria or Duckman, things that never win polls. I think we can justify doing a month of episodes yeah. of shows like that, not necessarily like ten or 13 or 8 or 6 but I think like 4 or 5 that could be a good way to end the year and on our end it can retain patrons yes yes yeah also that yeah it'll it'll help everybody in the Xmas spirit I, I'm yeah. up for that so yeah, yeah to reiterate uh, again uh, in our 2023 schedule uh, every week we'll have a bonus piece of content for patrons and that means the four Mondays that previously were not full of any content will now have a Batman episode in them and again we will choose the episodes as we normally do it'll be the same series it'll just be happening uh, I guess quarterly so uh, yeah. a little extra bonus for all of you and then probably in December or towards the end of next year we will do a shorter annual mini series uh, of a show that's uh, probably been on polls for a while but never has won yeah and then Futurama King of the Hill still stick into their monthly schedule yes yeah and uh yeah i mean uh, the i guess the last thing i i wanted to talk about in our general uh news section was like uh you know just reflecting on the year it's been it's been a it's been an interesting year uh for both of us i you know turns out i'm i'm gonna be moving to seattle uh that came out of nowhere in october but i it was a very very happy surprise but I, I just, you know, I look back at the list of all the stuff we've done this year and I'm uh, I'm really proud of everything we've done. I, I think we've produced, when I look at it all, I'm like, wow, we really did all that stuff. Like, it feels like so much. I can't believe it. I can't believe it either. Uh, there's been so many podcasts, so many big ones too. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, you're a big first for us. It's the first time we turned 40, <laughs> uh, the first time we got COVID. And uh, finally, after five years of that, oh, the network turned five too. Yeah, yeah. And then after five years of the network we finally did a, a roger rabbit episode and it was seven hours long we, yeah with and if you combine it with the sequels chat episode it we did 10 hours just on roger rabbit this year like yeah that we did that that we did oh uh, we had so many great guests i don't want to if I, I i just named them all we had every guest was great there was no bad guest this year there was and, one but i won't say who it is <laughs> uh and uh but yeah i mean that we started the year with you know i love that we did the saturday morning's all-star hits and we had on scott gairner uh, you know to talk about his work on it like that was so great i loved i loved getting to interview Susie dieter and lou morton like i think uh, uh please listen if you still haven't listened to those please do like Susie dieter especially she she gets real with us guys and you need to listen to that like 
It yeah, really I mean, we did scale back on interviews because uh, people don't care that much about them compared to other podcasts, but there's a lot of valuable information, and those were great chats we had with both of those great artists and writers. Yeah, and we, we finally got... Uh, <laughs> we had several guests we'd been trying to get for a while, and we finally got them this year. And uh, yeah, and uh, it was... Uh, again, I, I don't want to name everybody. It was great. And then, yeah, looking back at, like, especially just to know how much, like, research we put into every... Especially What a Cartoon all year long and like looking at the movies like all the work like like the toy story i think was toy story 3 was i think our second longest one of the year after uh roger rabbit yeah i'm looking at all the episodes now just as a reminder Mm -hmm. and yeah toy story 3 that was a really great one for me to do and i'm looking forward i i suspect maybe four will come uh in the new year because uh, why not close out the tetralogy whatever made up (laughs) word you want to use quadrilogy i don't know yeah, we, we did so many great ones, and it's easy to forget, uh, you know, it's hard to wallow in your own crapulence about it, because we, you, for us, it is like, you know, well, all right, we recorded that one, we got another thing to record now, like, move on to the next thing to research, and, and you can't look back as much, so... Yeah, it's been it's been nice to reflect uh, just this last year on how much we did. But yes, thanks for supporting us throughout 2022, and we hope you stick around for 2023. And I will also say that uh, we scaled back last year to make only one What a Cartoon episode per month, and that has made all those episodes so much better, I think. And I really appreciate having more time. With a few of mine, I was able to watch the entire series before doing an episode, which could have never happened in the past when it was a weekly a show. So yeah, I, I appreciate having that much more time to work on these episodes to make them better and also much much longer oh yes yeah <laughs> yeah the uh we couldn't do if we were doing two even two a month we could not talk about uh sam and max for the three hours it deserves to be talked about yeah i don't know how we did them weekly <laughs> I don't. Uh, and with a movie and with weekly talking simpsons every week and not and note uh, and the community podcast in addition to it not uh as a one of the weeks yes yeah. we had something Ooh. to prove and then we did <laughs> we proved it and now we can just relax a little bit more so uh let's talk about what we've been playing and watching that's not necessarily related to the shows that we talk about as for me uh, in terms of playing stuff i've basically just been playing the uh the newer hitman trilogy i got into the first game uh because i was previewing it at the time and i reviewed a lot of the episodes the second game came out when i had just met my future wife so i was very busy with uh, dating and traveling and everything and then the third game came out in 2021 so i completely missed it but uh i am so getting back into these games and if you miss uh, metal gear this is like the next evolution of that kind of stealth uh, gameplay but uh that is not punishing at all and it's so much fun to play it's it always i should play it more i've only played it a teeny bit in my life but it's such an interesting playground to mess around in isn't yeah it? the yeah. levels are incredibly dense and they'll start you off with just basically like okay these are your two targets do whatever you need to do in this world <laughs> disguise yourself as whoever you need to disguise yourself as and there's like little stories there's things you can miss you have to eavesdrop on people it's kind of intimidating at first but uh and i was trying to think of a way to tweet this without getting banned but in, a, in today's day and age <laughs> it's a fun experience to, in, to play a game where you're primarily killing rich sickos that uh yeah boy you really can't say that if you if you if that got popular it could kill the hitman franchise in general like, yes it might get uh, stop being made the entire game is about killing awful rich people to the point where in 2016 like the first mission you play now that i realize this it's kind of weird 
the the woman you have to kill is basically like Ghislaine Maxwell. Oh, oh, wow! I didn't know that. Yes, uh, I mean that totally makes sense. I boy, that's like Hitman gets grandfathered in, kind of. You can never pitch this game as a triple A game now. But. No, that'd be like oh, killing rich people. We don't know about that. But it, there's also like a lot of like inherent classism in the game that is commenting upon because. The peep, the powerful people you have to kill have so many people under them, and it, you can disguise yourself as any of them because they don't know their faces or names. Right? Yes. Yeah. You can be an invisible servant or whatever. It's, it, it's actually similar to that bit in uh, Tokyo Godfather. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but yeah, yeah Hitman. Uh, they always go on sale. At least play the first one. But uh, boy, I, I'm having so much fun. I've only been playing that since November. And, and what the developers own the IP now, right? They got they bought it back from Square Enix. A yeah. Ago. It seemed like Square Enix didn't know what the hell they were doing with Hitman. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it was like, uh, these games are so good, and they just didn't know what to do with them. But yeah, please play them. They're super great. As for watching, I've been watching some anime and mm. some uh, stop-motion anime. So I don't know why I decided to watch it, but I heard good things about it when it was new. And I watched the anime Odd Taxi. Mm. Uh, it's a very good... So I thought it was like kind of like a boring slice of life, uh, meeting everyday people in their everyday lives kind of anime. I think that's how somebody had talked about it. Maybe they didn't watch the whole thing because Odd Taxi is like a David Lynchian mystery. Oh, really? Uh, where there are so many ongoing stories and they all like converge at the end in a very satisfying way. So mm. I can't say much about it but uh, without spoiling anything but it's, it's a very good series uh that really uh tells a mystery well i think how many episodes is it? uh 13 oh a nice nice digestible 13 what's uh, netflix or crunchyroll uh, crunchyroll or? Oh, yeah okay. and right. there is a dub too um i found that out too late but oh, okay. uh <laughs> it, it's really really good and cool. i don't want to spoil anything i also it's an older show although there's a newer season of it out uh with my wife i've been watching uh real akuma and kaoru uh, this came out around the same time as Agretzko, and they're both Sanrio productions. And I think this got shat on a bit because Agretzko <laughs> was the immediately like funny, zany, wacky, colorful. And this one is like very slow paced and melancholy. But uh, I'm I might be enjoying this a little more than Agretzko. Yeah, I, I did. You know, I watched it when it first came out, the first like four episodes, and and I fell off it too. I think. Uh, well, it was also like my husband in his old job was not having the best time there and so uh, he wasn't having a lot of fun watching another show about malaise at a job i think so. a lot of it is about ha being a sad adult uh a lot of it is about having creepy bear roommates that have no explanation about why they're there or why they wear costumes <laughs> it's it's adorable character uh like uh, stop motion in it and also it reminded me of like all oh, right kauru i the only kauru i know is the character in evangelion who's a man but part of the thing with that character having that name is that or i should say a teen boy not a man though really he's an ageless angel when you think about he's really it. a thousand years old so we can yeah. draw him naked uh, yeah <laughs> but, but anyway it just reminded me like oh kauru is a girl's name too and that uh but yeah Aiden and Gretzko, when both of them came out together i was like how did sanrio identify that they have such an audience like, well, if you like Sanrio stuff as an adult, you're probably like upset at your job and, and feel like you wasted your life. And lonely. <laughs> also very lonely woman. Yes. And yeah. other people are more successful than you and you're kind of <laughs> quietly resentful about it. But yeah, if you didn't give it a chance back in 2019, uh, check it out. I didn't even realize it was stop motion because I don't think I had seen enough of it. I thought it was like CG faking stop motion, but no, it's real stop motion. And Relakuma is a cute bear. I like him in general. The all Relakuma family. Then I wondered if... Uh, 
I now want to give a shot to the new uh, Gudetama now has a, a Sanrio Netflix show as well. That's true. Yeah. Uh, it's about uh, a baby and an abortion having fun. <laughs> that's how, that's how that's uh, my, my wife put it, I think. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's what I've been watching. As for movies, uh, I saw all the Evangelion movies. We'll talk about those in a bit. Okay. I also saw, have you, have you heard of Irma Vep? I have not seen this movie. I, Irma I, Vep. I know it as a name of like, uh, uh, but I don't know the movie now. It's uh, it's a French movie uh, from 96, I want to say. Uh, it stars Maggie Chung, and she plays herself uh, going to France to uh, be in a remake of a French silent movie. And it's a sort of fly on the wall perspective of uh, like a movie production falling apart with also the perspective of a foreigner being in Japan who does not, sorry, a foreigner being in France who does not speak French. Ooh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, well, and I love Maggie Chung. She's a great actress. So. Oh, every Letterbox review was like, Maggie Chung in a cat suit. That's it. That's the <laughs> oh. review. Mm, okay. And I, I I like her no matter what she wears. She's yes. a great actress. Yes, she's very attractive <laughs> in the movie, but it's also a good movie outside of that. And uh, yeah, it was just fun to watch a, a non-Hollywood, non-formulaic movie with uh, a lot of loose ends that aren't tied up, just like in life. Mm, man, that's... Uh, have you... Uh, yeah, I guess Maggie Chung is stars in a lot of movies like that, I think. But, yeah. yeah. And uh, she hasn't started a movie in like 20 years, though. Aww. She's out of the biz. Well, hey, good for her. <laughs> and I saw the movie everyone's been watching in the past couple of weeks, Monkey Bone! Oh, yes, yeah. This summer, get boned. <laughs> you, uh, as, as part of, I haven't watched it yet as part of the blank check uh, thing. I, I only recently put on in the background James and the Giant Peach just to like, mm. uh, while listening to their podcast on that one. Well, it's, I'd never seen it before because it came out when I was 19 and I thought, absolutely no way am I ever seeing this. <laughs> but then a podcast did an episode about it. So I th thought, okay, give this a chance. There's some interesting production design in this movie. Henry Selleck does not know how to tell a story worth a damn. In <laughs> uh, the next movie I'll talk about, he got a little better. But uh, yeah, Monkey Bone, a lot of interesting ideas. It feels like, and they said this on Blank Check, it feels like this movie came out in 2001. It is the most like 90s-ass vibe movie. Mm -hmm. It feels like it'd be more at home in like the indie comic world of 1994. And I think the comic it's based on is from like 92 or something. Uh, I, I had heard that this, uh, I heard Bob Odenkirk describe it as like, Selleck's dream movie like it was his blank check like this was going to be him proving he's not Tim Burton's boy anymore I again I watched it on Comedy Central with commercials once and mm. I remember thinking Bob Odenkirk and Dave Foley and uh and Chris Kattan were funny I remember that I mean it may be hard to imagine anyone saying this in 2022 but the arrival of Chris Kattan is a blessing in this movie <laughs> uh because God love and Brendan Fraser I don't Fraser I don't think he's a good comedic lead uh because he's like too real of an actor I think mm. uh, and I think that's being proved in his recent uh movies as well yeah but uh he can't carry this movie. He can't carry Looney Tunes back in action. But then in the in the third act, when uh, Bob Odenkirk and Chris Kattan appear, you're like, oh, p these are people that know what comedy is and know how to do it. Uh, you know, I remember liking him all right in uh, George of the Jungle, but he has to play it much broader and stupider, and it's a kid's movie. It's it's not it's not on the level that Monkey Bone's trying to be, uh, perform at. Yeah, at a certain point in the movie, like for about 20 minutes, he's playing monkey, the spirit of Monkey Bone inhabiting his body, and he's got to act like a monkey, and it's 
I think uh, I think my wife said this, or maybe Griffin Newman. I get them confused all the time. <laughs> uh, it's like you have a guy inhabited by a monkey, and Chris Kattan is not playing him. <laughs> it does seem like miscasting, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I, but it's like they weren't going to make a eighty million dollar Chris Kattan movie in two thousand and one. I mean, I was also watching George of the Jungle to like ogle uh, Brendan Fraser. Like he looks, uh, he is probably at the peak of his body at that time and i and i still find him attractive now don't get me wrong but yes and i also saw Coraline again more blank check watch alongs <laughs> uh then never saw it before uh once again henry Selleck bad at storytelling which is i heard the same with wendell and wild which i'm gonna see at some point soon but uh yeah i i can see why people like this movie there's a lot of cool set pieces and uh it's a little rougher than paranorman in ways i like and ways i don't like uh you can tell that they're not using the same techniques that they would use in paranorman like cgi molding every face and expression so mm. it feels more like stop motion in a weird way than paranorman did even though it's not technically as sound as that movie well it's good to, after doing paranorman now you can you've seen Leica's first movie too yeah and that it does I, I i've been listening to a couple of them and they definitely seem to identify the like you know maybe Selleck's not the easiest to work with too perhaps but uh, that that Coraline too he had uh, a good book to uh, yeah. to adapt as well yeah. and with Nightmare Before Christmas it's like they handed him the opera he was going to film <laughs> yes and yeah. there was no deviating from that <laughs> so yeah those are the movies I saw I think that's it and also I'll let you talk about Beetlejuice because we saw that together the musical and I want to introduce a thing I want to call Bob's Book Corner. Oh, okay. Where our brains are growing large because we're reading every day. Uh, it's been a stressful couple of months, so uh, my new routine has been after I tuck Louie in and before dinner, I'll read for about an hour, an hour and a half, and I've read like five books this month. Holy cow. And I wow. used to read like 30 to 40 books a year, uh, and then the Patreon started, <laughs> and then I had no time, which I'm not complaining, but it's just like running a business does take a lot of your free time. Um, so I read, uh, of, of note, I read uh, the Kiki's Delivery Service novel, which came out for the first time in 2020 in English. Wow. How can... You would sell so many of those books. I uh, I can't believe it took him that long to localize it. Like, I wonder if the author just held out for a while. Like, but that's crazy. It took that long. I don't know why it took this long. Apparently, yeah. there are four other books in the series in Japan. Oh, neat. Uh, written yeah. after the movie became popular, of course. <laughs> like Roger Rabbit. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Hopefully, they're better than those books. But uh, I was surprised by how much was the same. Uh, obviously, uh, the in the, in the movie the 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 blimp scene at the end comes out of nowhere. That was wholly invented just to give it an exciting ending. Well, we know how Miyazaki feels about aircraft, right? Too. But yeah. in in the book, Tombo is a much lesser character, but he is in an aviation club. Okay. Uh, but what I like about the book a slightly more, even though I love the movie, I'd rather watch the movie than read the book, even though I enjoyed the book, is that uh. The kids in the book act like actual bratty kids instead of Miyazaki's ideals for <laughs> idealized children. It's just like the hard worker who gets down sometimes but never gives up, and they've got such great spirit. No, Kiki is a little brat sometimes, and she pushes back against rude customers. And we meet Tombo because he steals her broom because he wants to use it to fly. Damn, man. Yeah. That is more realistic, but you're right. Miyazaki... He wouldn't want to have a bad kid acting bad on screen because that might uh, he he would think it would worsen the children of today. Yes, it's all yeah. about imparting those values. But <laughs> it was like uh, it's like a two hour read and it's fun. You can see what they changed. The finale in the book. This is not a spoiler. 
it, it's just like a bunch of adventures with Kiki. The finale of the book is like the, these musicians want to put on a concert, but their instruments are on a train that's going away from the town. She's got to basically like do a train robbery and string all the instruments behind her and fly them back to the musicians. It's not as exciting as like a blimp accident, but sure. it's, it's the big set piece that ends the book. That's a, that's a fun ending. Okay. Yes. But now I know it's a quick read. Maybe I'll give it a read because you know I love Kiki too. So yes. Yeah. I was happy I finally get to read it. And also I read for the first time A Christmas Carol. Never read the original text in my life before, and I read the Penguin version with lots of footnotes so you can get all the current day references Dickens was throwing in there. Oh, nice. Oh, I yeah. want to check that out. I, I read it I read it once in high school just to read it, and I, I don't know if you had the same problem I had then, which was the Muppet Christmas Carol is so memorable to me that when the lines that were said directly by Gonzo in the movie are written on the page, yeah. I'm like, I just hear Gonzo's voice in my head. Yeah, including Tiny Tim, who did not die. That's that's in the text. <laughs> I know what it. I uh, when I hear when I would read it, I heard Gonzo's big like, "Who did not die?" It's so great. And having read this, I now think the Muppet version is definitive because. In this uh, story, the narrator makes his presence known. He's not like walking around with the characters, but he's got a point of view. He's ruminating on things. He's like a character in the novel. And that is removed from every adaptation because like, how are you going to do that? Uh, have a narrator walk around? Well, that's what the Muppet version did. That's how you can have a fucking Muppet. Yeah. Like the Muppets. You're right. Okay. Thank you, Bob. This finally forever confirms that the Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Christmas Carol. Yes. And I mean, the narrator talks a lot because Dickens is getting paid by the word. So he's like, Marley was as dead as a doornail, but why is a doornail the deadest kind of nail? I would think a coffin nail would be the deadest kind of nail. And he goes on and on and on about three pages. He's like, you got to know how dead this guy was, because if you don't know how dead he is, you're not going to buy anything that happens next. Okay. He's so dead. Uh, that's why, that's why Godzo in the movie keeps hitting it up like, and you got to know the Marleys were dead. Okay. Yeah. They're dead. Hey, there's only one Marley in the book. Yeah. Well, see, that's that's the biggest change they made other than adding Muppets is that they have to have two. You got to have Statler and Waldorf, so you need two Marleys. And uh, not to go on too long about this, but the book is very funny because when he goes to uh, with the Ghost of Christmas Future... Uh, he is in such deep denial that uh, it takes him forever to understand what's going on. He's like, this person who died, boy, he was a bad guy. Uh, show me more about him. He's certainly not me, this bad businessman who died. And not until he sees the grave does he realize it takes so, so long. It's it's part of the fun that he's so in denial, I think, that he's... I think... I I forget if it's in The Muppets or a different adaptation. One of the times I've seen it where Scrooge... Because uh, we're both uh, Carol heads. Uh, but where Scrooge goes like... Oh, I get why you're showing me this. I could end up like this guy, mm -hmm. right? This this guy's a jerk and you don't want me to be like him. Which also, you know, if you're seeing your own death in front of you, you probably would be in extreme denial yeah. too. Like it's it's easy to be on the outside and be like, stupid old Scrooge, it's you. It's yeah. it is so funny though, because it's like, okay, the past guy showed me me in the past. Present guy showed me me in the present. Future guy showed me some other person for no reason. <laughs> yeah. And I also read, uh, I've never read any of the Discworld books before, but I read the first one. Apparently it's not even a good one, but I really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as I put I read one on Twitter, I got a billion replies of very excited Discworld fans. You'll open up, yeah, I, I've read a lot of dis In the past, I read a bit of Discworld. I'll say five books. I read five books in Discworld. But the dangerous thing with Discworld is that like, 
then people will tell you, well, because it he didn't write the first book, uh, the, the late great Terry Pratchett didn't write the first book for it to be a whole universe. So there's stuff that doesn't make sense in future things. Yeah. yeah. And if you Google, like, which order do I read these in? It shows you, like, well, these books are about these characters and these are about these and, and so on and so on. And there's like 41 books. Yeah. I uh, The ones I read the most of. I did like his young adult one about a, a girl witch uh, that was, I think, done in response to Harry Potter. And I also really love his police procedural ones uh, with the Night Watch, I believe they're called. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was recommended that one as well. Uh, Thud is a really good one, I like, because it it is about how cops are racist, but they're racist against werewolves. <laughs> and, uh, Fair and enough. Also, and also there's a great, I mean, also Terry Pratchett is more of an SJW in his writing for stuff than even... Uh, this was a point made in that uh, that great YouTuber with the skull, Sean, uh, when he was talking about Harry Potter and reviewing those books for being bad. He's like, uh, wow, Terry Pratchett is writing in the same style a hundred times better uh, in the same kind of subject. So. Yes, uh, I recommend them. And uh, leave your Discord recommendations below. I'm sure that's what all the comments will be because of our audience. <laughs> and I, I read Terry... I got introduced by Terry Pratchett by reading Good Omens because I was a big Sandman fan and was reading Neil Gaiman and so yeah yeah. But yeah, that's that's it for me. Wow. Uh, read a book, folks. <laughs> you can't click on it. Don't try. Uh, well, enough of this book talk. Video games. I played a few. Uh, so I uh, have been playing a bit of the Marvel Midnight Suns game, which is by Firaxis, the XCOM people. Though it's not really an XCOM game, they certainly dumbed down the x well that, that sounds pejorative but it is a simplified xcom style it is turn-based you do move people around but no grids not as punishing so there's that there's the new mario and rabbits game there's tactics ogre there's another one there's so many tactics games there's a front mission mission remake out yeah, and there's, there's like six turn-based tactics games out and this in year. a month fire emblem engage comes out too there's, engage yeah there's there are too many tactics games and i cannot play all of them i have to i would in a quieter year and this i didn't even have advanced wars this year to play thanks to vladimir putin yeah what the f yeah that's that, that's true we did an episode about that for retronauts in march when it was supposed to come out yeah yeah and it still has no release date i but yeah call of duty comes out every year <laughs> i know well nintendo has a little more shame i guess than uh, but, but yeah. so midnight suns is fun because it's uh i like playing with all my favorite marvel pals but also uh, you get to basically have the hangout sections of Mass Effect, but with all these Marvel characters, though, of course, they can't have sex because they're Marvel characters. But uh, And then I played a little more Bayonetta 3. I'm in Chapter 7 now, uh, though I'm still a bit... But I, I haven't finished it yet like you have. Yeah. Did you get to Viola yet? I don't think I have. Well, you would that. know because yeah. it's a new character that controls uh, differently. Now, the Jean stage, the first Jean stage was like, whoa, look at that. So that, yeah. that was really interesting. Uh, not to spoil anyone because I'm, I'm replaying the first game uh, and I won't spoil you on the end of the third game, although people have wrote about the ending a lot when it came out. If you played the first game, you should know what the twist is the second you start playing the third game. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's all on the page in a very explicit way. And I was like, why did no, nobody saw this ending coming in the third game? It's all like foreshadowed in the first game. The first game has always had. Uh, well, I mean, the first game has extreme foreshadowing. They're like, oh, who could this little girl be? Hmm, I don't know. She sounds like Bayonetta, doesn't she? Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they're always very obvious. Like, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I will say in the first game, I'm just I'm just saying, saying this directly, no commentary. Uh, Bayonetta and uh, I believe his name is Luca. 
Yeah, yeah. They are both like a mother and father figure to a little girl who has a little cat named Cheshire. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Think about uh, it. Hmm. Oh, well, yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about. No, no. Bob, but... Don't think about it. Actually, don't think about it. <laughs> don't. Have fun playing the best action game of the year. Like It, uh... it, it totally deserved that. And I'm so happy because I feel, I mean, I'm sure it sold well. I, I complained about this last time, but <laughs> it's so good and I can't wait to play through it again. Yeah, I was very happy it won at the Game Awards. Not that the Game words like fucking matters at all like it's 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 bullshit but when something i like wins then it's good yes exactly (laughs) uh like i thought the whole time i haven't touched god of war ragnarok i'm sure it's good i'm they make a good triple a games the sony game machine is great at making that type of game i was so worried though that it was going to beat elden ring for game of the year because it was winning a lot of awards early in that show but fortunately elden ring won game of the year and yeah i was, I was satisfied I, I was a bit worried too even though i know it's a well-made game uh i think elden ring is, is superior yes absolutely well and we say that without having played it so so there but i've heard enough about it yeah uh no, and also they made all the announcements. I really like the Hades 2 announcement. That was the one that excited me the most out of all the announcements. But uh, And I played a bit more of the Rabbids game, as well as tons of Marvel Snap. I cannot stop playing that Snap. Uh, I just... How much money have you spent? Can you admit? Uh, uh, let's say 50. No, let's say 100. Wow, wow. This is well, how they make their money. <laughs> well, so look, I... <laughs> Henry, you're what they call a whale. No, I'm not a whale. <laughs> I, I don't... Look, it's the... It's the season pass. I was going to say 50. I've spent 50 on in-game currency. And I was like, yeah, that's all I spent. But it's like, no, you have a you have a month pass every month you spend 15 bucks on if you want some nice variants. But, man, you should see that I got such a cool Venom variant and a She-Hulk variant and Spider-Man well, variant. Well, I, I spent 15 bucks a month on an MMO I haven't played in a year. So yeah, we're even. Yeah, it's not so bad. And actually, you know what? I just bought a bunch of uh, Amazon gift cards. On Amazon, I bought a couple Apple gift cards for a ten dollar discount. So really, it's not even a hundred dollars. It's like ninety, and so uh, you know, it's it's fine. It's fine. Uh, and, but it is. If it wasn't for Elden Ring, I would actually say my game of the year is Marvel Snap because I have played it so much I cannot stop playing. It. I think my game of the year is Bayonetta three. Over Whoa, Ring. over Elden Ring, man, that's crazy. That's that's. But Elden Ring's a, a solid number two. I will write my game of the year list at the end of the year. You look out for okay, it. Okay, I now I I will. I will meet you on that challenge. And also, yes, we've both been playing a lot of Pikmin. Uh, we've we've destroyed some uh, some uh, mushrooms together recently in their new improved mushroom setup. I I, I like the new mushroom uh, revisions, I guess you want to call it. At first, I didn't like it, but now I do like it. I like that it takes a couple days for a big one, and you actually get to destroy mushrooms with like five people instead of just by yourself for 20 minutes. Yeah. All right. Uh, watching stuff, though. Uh, I'm in season four of the Mr. Show rewatch. It's a great show. The only thing that's weird is occasionally a character will say a word or or someone will play a race there not. And I'm like, yeah, this was 1997. Or you'll see Jay Johnston being arrested or something. And you're like, <laughs> oh, well, this feels weird. <laughs> Do we know if he was ever arrested? <laughs> no, I don't think he was. Uh, but uh, and yes, I also watched uh, with Bob in the movie theater on IMAX. Evangelion 3.0 plus 1.0 thrice upon a time. And uh, it was, I kind of wish it was good seeing it subtitled to hear the Japanese voices, but 
they have a deluge of information in there. Yeah. Like, it's probably better you have uh, dub for. They they mostly stuck the landing. I watched all of these. I think after the last talk to the audience, I can't remember. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I think that third one is just terrible. <laughs> uh, this one, I, I thought it, it was the stuff that they always tease you about in the. Um, they they always tease in the show and in the movie sometimes where it's like you get a little taste of what the what's happening in the world outside of this conflict, but that's all you get. I, the, my favorite part of this movie was like the 45 minutes in which let's just chill out in the world and see how people are adapting. And I wish the entire movie was that. But then it's an insane set piece at the end where there's like five different kinds of apocalypses. You have to figure out which one is the right one. And uh, everything. It, it, yeah. uh, there's a ton of metatextual stuff happening all at once, too. But I still was immensely satisfied with it by watching the end of it like the the thematic conclusions. Now, look, the. If I have to, it would be another five-hour podcast, probably longer than our end of Evangelion one, to try to even figure out exactly what happens at the end of that movie. But thematically and symbolically what happens at the end is very satisfying to me, yeah. uh, personally, as somebody who has lived my entire adult life uh, projecting emotions onto the Evangelions. Well, now you have to fight your dad. I will have to fight him someday. But um, And also a good combo with all that Ava stuff is... I want to tell people to watch this YouTube video on Hideakiano's career. It's called the Hideakiano Problem. Uh, the account is Ste- uh, Stephen. Uh, it's it's Stephen, but with an M at the end of it. He's uh, it's a British guy who's done a lot of uh, videos on anime, but this is for real three hours and three dense hours about the entire career of Ano with a ton of quotes like sourced from Japanese interviews with a lot of, even some stuff I didn't know. And we've done literally four podcasts on, on uh, Hideaki Ano's work. So it's, uh, it's really good. The second I watched it, I sent it to Bob. I sent it to Ian Jones Cordy. I sent it to Toby Jones. I was telling him, this is, you guys got to watch this. Like, this is great. Very well researched. Uh, I have to finish watching it, but it, it's, it's very dense. It goes over the entire like career from the very beginning. And, uh, and yeah, the, only Christmassy thing I have watched is the Muppet Christmas Carol we were just talking about because you got to go to the extras page on Disney Plus, but you can watch Muppet Christmas Carol with When Love is Gone restored to its proper place in the film. So you don't watch it as a separate deleted scene, so you could do that, but it is now the restored full cut of the movie. That's great. It's a great yeah. song and... After you watch the song, you realize how often they play it in the movie, or they, they play bits of it. <laughs> that fucking Jeffrey Katzenberg, man. He ruined it. He ruined it. And then, speaking of musicals, me and Bob partake in a musical together. Yes. Beetlejuice, the musical. We can't, we can't say it two more times. <laughs> it's uh, it's a show about death. It's uh, It was fun. I've, I've seen... I saw a different musical this year, Hadestown, which I thought was better as a musical, but Beetlejuice was a lot of fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. seeing it, and I'm glad you gave me a free expensive ticket. <laughs> yeah, my, my husband could not make it, and uh, we were like, oh, let's let's uh, take Bob to it. And yeah, it was downtown San Francisco at, uh, uh, at the theater It's uh, for the whole of the year. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the only jeers I would give was to the people sitting behind us during the show. <laughs> yes, it, they had a real uh, bachelorette party at a stand-up show vibe to them, and I think you know what that means when I say it. They showed up 30 minutes late and yeah. then talked through the whole goddamn thing. 
thinking that them realizing getting obvious jokes in the show that are shouted at you they're like "Ooh, that's what the joke is like yeah we fuck oh are they teasing a harry belafonte song yeah we all see the fucking movie we yes. know what song they're teasing yeah like, it was uh they almost got uh, i mean you don't know what people are going to do in public there was no metal <laughs> detector there they could have pulled a gun on me if i yelled at them so yeah i i did flip them off once during the thing i don't know if they saw it or not but uh, they they didn't stop talking that's for sure no they didn't <laughs> i guess i guess the one thing i would say about it it was fun but i feel like they were advised to steer very far away from anything elf mini at all because they don't reinterpret any of the elfman songs into uh musical songs and they don't actually stick to the vibe of his music it's like a wholly different vibe to the point where lydia has like her own like let it go ballad yeah yeah which yeah. they were fine <laughs> songs i did none of them stuck with me but i was expecting like um them to turn the Beetlejuice theme into a song, which yes, it's obvious, but you're also seeing the Beetlejuice musical. Yes, we're, we're having Beetlejuice yell at you the whole time, I'm like, yeah, I know I'm in a musical, and we're gonna have a lot of fun. So shut the fuck up. Like I loved where he said like fuck Brigadier, that was a fun one, uh, and also he does a lot of coke during the show. And but yeah, it's uh, it was a lot of it was a good time, and I haven't seen much else. I have big plans with the family over the holidays as well with my husband when he comes into town. I'll report back for stuff. I'm going to see that new Avatar. I'm going to see, see far too many movies. I'm going to be in Vancouver for two and a half weeks with my uh, sweet, sweet wife. You're going to be Mr. Movies. Uh, yeah. And also, I'm going to watch the new last bit of the new season of jojo's bizarre adventure finally so that's that's in the plans but we've yeah. created our own respective lists nina and i of the things you want to watch you got to plan it out you know yes i agree <laughs> and i'll watch a few things with my mom uh and stepdad too i'm bringing bringing my dvd copy of the three godfathers with me uh which i didn't list because i watched it for the tokyo godfathers podcast but i'm bringing it with me i'm sure my stepdad will love watching a john wayne movie set on christmas during my christmas trip there so now we're going to move on to questions and comments for talking simpsons and other podcasts and a note about these because of the holidays we're recording this a week earlier than we normally would and because of that there will be fewer questions than normal but we'll get to the ones that we missed uh next time so let's start off here with uh homer alone and matt says on the history of morning show shock jock hoaxes i think the bill and marty joke in this episode may be a reference to a bit from a pair of la morning show hosts that was very infamous during this era back in 1990 longtime k-rock morning jocks kevin and bean had a buddy call in for a segment called confess your crime to make a fake murder confession about killing his girlfriend the gag went way over the line the la sheriffs opened an investigation and it was even featured on unsolved mysteries through it all <laughs> kevin and bean played it all like it was genuine the denouement came 10 months later when they were caught discussing the hoax on an internal phone call monitored by the radio station the end result was that the sham was revealed. Kevin and Bean had to perform 150 hours of community service, and K-Rock was reprimanded by the FCC, the lightest penalty the FCC could issue. <laughs> I'm sure shock jock expert and friend of the show Murder Brian probably knows even more about this case. Remarkably, Kevin and Bean continued to host the same show for decades. I know Kevin and Bean is like a name of, of people in L.A. listen to. To know that they created like a hoax that would piss off like the <laughs> cops do not like having their time wasted on a fake uh, murder that uh, i am shocked they got i am shocked by these jocks that they got to stay <laughs> on the air after that for so long and i'm glad matt mentioned uh, murder brian brian quinby uh because his patreon show uh, shocktober on the street fight uh patreon is very good and it lets you know how many of these uh, ancient shock jocks built their career off of fake 
prank calls, especially Don Imus. God, all these lying fake prank callers. I... Don, Don Imus became famous because he had a frank prank call. He had a fake prank phone call. I said it, where he called McDonald's in quotes and said, "Yeah, I want ten thousand cheeseburgers. Can I order ten thousand cheeseburgers?" And that was essentially the bit. <laughs> and that was you're right to look confused. That, 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 boy, uh, I guess prank phone calls uh, got better after that. I suppose yeah. that's not even an impressive prank. Well, uh, like to get if I could twelve hundred hamburgers. Twelve? Pardon me, sir? Twelve, twelve hundred hamburgers is what we'd like to get. We got a troop movement scheduled one with the local colleges and uh, like to uh, just, get some lunches to go. Just a moment. I'm going to have to ask my... <clears throat> just Could you hold on for a yeah, second? Yeah, Sergeant, fine. just a moment, sir. There's a guy here who's a sergeant with the National Guard and he wants... Well, Brian had done a lot of the uh, that gut shot now of him talking about the great Gutfeld show, which and yeah, guys, listen to to me on Street Fight this month if you haven't yet. It was a, a great fun appearance on there. Sorry, it was twelve hundred hamburgers. Oh, twelve hundred. It, it was him asking a, ma- a man for too many hamburgers, and that's how he became famous. And it wasn't even a real McDonald's employee that he was talking to. That it was all fake. I, I'm pretty sure it was. And yes, wow. you, can, you can buy a record of this. Oh man, that sucks. That's, yeah, uh, you. Uh, t- that guy sucks in so many ways. Andrew says about the same episode love the talk about the maternity paternity leave something many don't realize about this is that for many jobs paternal leave is just a promise that you won't be fired for taking time off to care for your newborn most jobs won't pay you for that time unless you have other leave accrued also they don't even have to give you parental leave if you've worked there for less than a year yeah it's uh pretty awful i even uh middle of the road democrats are starting to at least talk about paid family leave as a thing that needs to happen uh, be uh, made a law in this country we're just we're just coming off a major labor dispute in america where railroad workers wanted a week of sick time uh, and thankfully to none. <laughs> uh thanks to a bipartisan effort we made their strike illegal oh god that pissed me off yeah you know brandon's on thin ice with me first he says my student loan debt has been relieved then he says that was a mistake and now this <laughs> and what a fun email to get they're like you're actually not getting thousands of dollars back we were wrong and like, it was like uh, uh they didn't say we messed up it's like due to a vendor issue or something uh, it's just like hey the email it's it's the email's problem not ours it's a it is protecting them from any legal liability that's uh, yeah. that brandon man we know you uh, we promised you hope but uh <laughs> yeah they took away the hope after the midterms that's uh yeah you know what the, it's funny that vendor mistake came after the they won or the did better in the midterms than expected like ugh, the democrats uh yeah but also the paternal leave thing i have my own paternal leave regrets i I was never a person who thought that a maternity leave was wrong, but I, in the past, had a dumb thought of like, ah, paternity leave, the guy's just taking it easy. I think I base that on my own father being, uh, helping not at all with newborns <laughs> and thinking like, oh, if a, if a, if the father takes off time he's probably not doing anything that's not the case with people but I, there was a dude at a job a long time ago who I didn't like, who he was gone for like three months on paternity leave as he should have been but i was like god this guy sucks and now he he this guy's terrible at working with me and he got three months off for free with his fucking <laughs> kid like this guy sucks it, it sounds generous and for most places it is but it is funny like you get three months to love your child yeah. then abandon that child or it's up to you like don't don't parent him anymore I, again though this guy also he owns a house in this city that he like inherited from parents and he had a blessed he's that guy sucked but 
even people who suck deserve <laughs> a paternity that's uh, our, parental leave. That's our stance. <laughs> yes. Uh, so up next we have Weekend at Burnsies, and Riley says, I work at a pot shop in Washington State. We're the furthest shop east of Seattle before you cross the mountains. This means most people heading to the biggest concert venue in central Washington, the Gorge, stop at our store on the way. One week there is the annual Dave Matthews concert. This has me explaining the difference between THC and CBD to middle-aged Gen Xers who work for Microsoft. The next week is the Fish concert. We always stock up on Febreze for that one. There is also a lot of crossover in the Venn diagram for those two. And yes, the Dave Matthews band doesn't rock. Damn, man. So those feelings you have when you are drunk are not true. <laughs> That's so funny The to know that like we, they work right. They're like the the last Stuckies or whatever, except for Pot, on the way to the Gorge. And that... They have people who probably get high once a year when they go to Dave Matthews Band, and they have to be like their their guide to it. Like, all right, here's how you get high. Here's what you want. <laughs> Don't take like, too much. Now, Dave Matthews Band, uh, Nina and I worked out a dichotomy between uh, different kinds of music. So Dave Matthews is what we call the hibbity he. Uh, go, <laughs> he. Right. And then uh, Creed is hibbity who. So... <laughs> You have your hibbity he bands and your hibbity who bands, and uh, he's in the hibbity he bracket. If I have to pick one, I guess I'd go more hibbity he. Me I too. Suppose. Yeah, <laughs> though I would go to a fish concert before a, a Dave Matthews concert. I think. I think I would too. Yeah. Uh, also on that episode, stupid sexy Spencer Flanders says. Negligé reminds me of Nick Lachey, which reminds me of that balloon-headed freak also ties into Ohio and pot voting. A bill was voted on in Ohio to legalize pot, but unfortunately that bill was sponsored by rich assholes who wanted to mine who wanted to monopolize it like 98 degrees his own nick lachey so even pot smokers voted against it still waiting on a new better bill it might pass next time that so. freak uh, lives in uh ohio he must sort of live in ohio he must like have a house in ohio it's like you know technically actually i think dave Chappelle more lives in ohio than nick lachey does i would bet but uh yeah it's i did not know any of this about the ohio pot voting uh stuff that, yeah i didn't either and that it didn't get legalized. I'm glad that a bad bill to legalize it in a way that only makes rich assholes money uh, got voted down. And I hope, uh, I feel like in pretty much any state, pot will be legalized if it comes to a vote uh, because enough people who grew up smoking weed vote now. <laughs> and they know they didn't murder anyone. Yeah, they know it's meaningless. All of the pot stuff is uh, like, even even ancient, uh, confused old men like Joe Biden have finally learned. They're like, oh, it's not a gateway drug. We were wrong. I, I think it's either that or they realize like more profit can be gained by taxing this than by arresting people mm, to, yeah. for using it. We, they've already stocked up our prison slave population enough with it, yes. uh, with the horrible mandatory minimum sentencing. Now it's time to profit off of the white people who they won't arrest for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, this country it stinks yeah. uh moving on to uh what a cartoon movie paranorman what a fun episode that was a great movie uh silky pj says i'm really happy that the what a cartoon poll helped bob and henry discover a modern classic that they truly loved and opened up about i was never the biggest paranorman fan because the first half felt a lot like the typical tim burton-esque movie about ostracizing weird people but in talking simpsons fashion the research really opened my eyes to all the detail put into the movie from the characters to the jokes and i appreciated that on rewatch there was so much foreshadowing and extra details to catch. If we have to continue having a billionaire class, the least they can do is dump their money into passion art projects like Leica. And that's exactly, true. Exactly, yeah. If all the evil money from Nike can go to one play, if it can at least make this stuff exist, like 
obviously we'd all love to get rid of the billionaire class in general but if we if it if they must keep existing i would wish they would put money into this instead of like dumb rockets that don't work or, or like whatever. buying twitter buying twitter yeah it's just like uh or vr that is basically just like worse than the meverse <laughs> yeah far worse than the meverse uh i it's i i think they're trying to sell it again i'm seeing them slash prices on i wonder how long until they're gonna mark down everything and just uh the the way google did with when they gave up on stadia oh like, you mean for the the Oc oculus or meta yeah, or whatever yeah. yeah i think i even saw john carmack like was talking shit on the meta he left like, the project that's good that's a you know what if you lose john carmack just just close up shop he was he was the only reason i gave a crap about Meta. it's like oh they hired john carmack okay this this guy uh knows how to make a video game he's a cool weirdo i, I want to know where he's going our next set of comments are on the talking futurama episode leela's homeworld the the big mutant revelation episode uh hampus bystrom says it's hard not to get a little bitter in the entertainment industry i'm a writer and at least want to be director and i work in sweden so i can only imagine how it is in hollywood and usa every goddamn producer i've ever worked with is a child of a of the media or cultural aristocracy here it's insane it never fails and i'm not even saying they've been bad producers it's just that every chair of institutional cultural media i.e where the money is has the ass of a scion of the insular cultural elite in sweden in it it's almost laughable i've worked with four producers now and it never fails just google their names and find out that their father was like the boss of the swedish film institute or something since there's so little money in swedish art and entertainment a small language with little international distribution it's hard not to get bitter and yeah. I have a related note here based on this comment. The Guardian just reported that the amount of musicians, writers, and artists with working class backgrounds has shrunk by half oh. since the 1970s. And you can rest assured that Henry and I come from the dirt. <laughs> Me more than Henry. <laughs> a little more. With your yes. two-parent household. I did, yes, I did have a two-parent household. But neither of our parents have wiki pages. That's, that's true. That's aren't sure. Yeah, that yeah it's, it's <laughs> funny when you're like, well, where did this actor come from? And you Google them and it's like, well, their dad was a director. Their mom is an opera singer or something like that. Yeah, every, every time. It's like, oh, how did this person get their start in the, or they're even with somebody like Lena Dunham, whose parents weren't like actors, but they're like New York art people who like, oh, then that's why you hire her. Like, that's why you get, listen to her dumb crap or what, I mean, look, this is not a judgment on all of her work, but I'm saying people get opportunities that other people don't get because you don't want to fire the daughter of a guy who has power yeah. or of, or the son of a woman who has power any of that stuff it's yeah that guardian article was was very interesting timing this also came up because me and you were were chatting with uh, with Drew Mackey about um about some actors and actresses i i was mentioning Amanda Peet and i was like wait who is Amanda Peet married to Benny off of the Benny off and Weiss uh, combo that uh, sh the fucked up G Game of Thrones uh. and I was like well wait what's that Benioff guy do oh he's the son of the former CEO of Goldman Sachs like yeah uh, so isn't it surprising then that the Game of Thrones ends with a whole thing about how the kings should exist and how uh, the, the commoners can't deal with it I'm always I'm always sickened when uh, there's like a gorgeous talented actress it's like who's she married to oh just some boring real estate guy <laughs> it's know. like there's there, there can't be any love there uh, I you you gotta think not no i i wouldn't think so either but uh yeah it's uh, it just every time that was just one of eight million reminders of like oh yeah every most people who have one uh, uh are able to move upwards in entertainment 
have a lot of help in that regard. So don't, you know what, if you're not reaching that height yet in your career, you probably didn't have a famous parent. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You need to get a time machine fix that. <laughs> as, as I said to Mike Hanford on our first one of like, you need to write for The Simpsons. Just first have your dad go to Harvard. And he's, he said, I'm, wor- I'm working on it. I'm helping him apply to Harvard. <laughs> he's got to go to Harvard and also write for The Simpsons 30 years ago. Yes, and then yeah. you got a slot. <laughs> Mike Hanford will finally get that writing and put... There's writers for Simpsons who didn't have it, yeah. but come on, guys. Yeah, we're yeah. saying uh, a pox upon Kristen Gore. <laughs> hey, it sounded, as we said in that episode, it sounded like she at least chose to not uh, participate in Hollywood as much anymore yeah. to take up that space. She could have been, you know, show running by now or mm. creating stuff by now, but uh, she's quiet and rich and happy and good yeah, for her. As, as she should be. Yes. Moving on, uh, Matt LS says, thank you for another great talky Futurama on the topic of hooded freaks. While it could definitely be an Omega Man reference, I think based on precedent, it may be more connected to the 1970 follow-up to Planet of the Apes, Beneath the Planet of the Apes. In the second season episode, I second that emotion when we are introduced to the sewer mutants. We learn that they worship an unexploded nuclear warhead, but mostly just for the holidays. Definitely an allusion to Beneath the Planet of the Apes. In that entry, we learn about a telepathic race of subterranean humans who are the mutated descendants of the survivors of an earlier nuclear war. They also wear cloaks and hide their faces. I think that, for whatever reason, the 1970s was just a golden age for hooded mutants as a symbol for Cold War anxieties. Very good point. Yeah, I... Uh, I think it is still a little Omega Man, but yeah, we I totally forgot that the first time we talked about the mutants on the podcast, we brought up that like, yeah, this is a Planet of the Apes 2 reference, which is a very forgettable Planet of the Apes, if you ask me. Like, at yeah. least I prefer the ones of Caesar basically... Uh, having a war against uh, also talk about politics like having a war against the ruling class and killing them all i, I kind of prefer that i yeah. mostly was made aware of this in the worshiping of a bomb thing through like the first half of the eighth season of mystery science theater where right, all of the right. host segments were basically a planet of the apes parody which is where <laughs> professor bobo comes from that's uh don't you feel bad for kevin murphy that by doing that joke that was supposed to just be for a few episodes he is damned for the next three years of the show to uh, have to wear the monkey suit the whole time that poor guy yeah yeah I, I yeah i totally forgot that bobo just sticks with them and he's got to put on the damn monkey makeup for every host segment he's in i mean for brain guy probably all that white powder isn't fun to put on your face either but it's not a giant monkey mask the entire time. I, that episode also taught me about the song 2525. Which, oh, uh, me too. Yeah. <laughs> Is man still alive? Yes, yes. Did a <laughs> woman survive? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so up next, we have Talking of the Hill, Death of a Propane Salesman. It has not gone live as of this recording, so we'll, we'll get to it next time. Again, we're recording this really early. We hope you feel so good when you listen to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I get the next one oh, here. Sure, yes. uh, the What a Cartoon episode this month was all about the adventures of Sam and Max Freelance Police. We did two segments from that great series and Devin Hoffarth says fun fact Bill Farmer voices Detective Date in the dub of the original Yakuza game for the PS2 and he just uses the Sam voice <laughs> it was surreal listening to him while playing that game and wondering where the hell I had heard that voice before I realized it was Sam for my hitting the road days won't spoil too much either but Bill Farmer does return to the Yakuza series at some point and it was a treat hearing him again even if it wasn't that many lines man you know I never play Yakuza in the dub form so I, I'm missing out on this kind of fun callback treat it's just I really do love the Japanese voice, especially Kiryu and Majima. I really love their Japanese voice actors. I mean, how can you not hear like, Kiryu-chan? Like, it's just so fun. 
that uh but i mean i know on the uh yakuza 7 like a dragon dub that uh like our our friend sung Wan cho did uh, very good acting in it i yeah i wanted to listen to it but i just i love the japanese well i'm so gonna much. dm him right now <laughs> and, tell and let him, him know you're too good for the dub <laughs> uh well we already uh talked about how we're not playing the god of war game that he's a part of too <laughs> oh no oh no uh no i played i played yakuza 7 uh with uh, the dub uh, and it was good, very, very good. His character's great. He, yeah. he does, he does a great job. Uh, I wish he was in it more, honestly. Uh, and finally, our last comment uh, we'll be reading for the year of 2022. Isn't it crazy to think that this is over? It still feels like 2020. Yeah, <laughs> I, when I schedule things for the new year, and I drop down the menu to 2023, and I think that that can't be right. It can't be no. 2023. It's not. It's not, it, it's not happening. <laughs> it's not that it feels like it's still like 2013 or something, but it does feel like it's still 2020. Uh, but anyway, so our final comment is from Joe Hodgson about Sam and Max saying, I will also add that I have the newish Sam and Max action figures from Boss Fight Studios, local to be in Massachusetts. They're pretty fun, though the joints on one is very stiff to the point where Sam's leg snapped at the knee when I tried to bend them. The company that makes them sent me replacement legs for free. No questions asked. So it wasn't a big deal. They may have done another production run at this point. These came out in December of 2020 that fixed that issue. Swapping their expressions was also harder than it should be, but I like Sam's big dopey grin, so that was good enough. They have some fun stuff like a paper bag, hand puppet of Max, and the rotary phone, and can probably be found for cheaper now too. I think they were 40 each when they came out, so that's good to know. There's, uh, I hope, uh, I hope they have fixed those leg problems. <laughs> Getting replacement legs is a funny term too. <laughs> in the name. My replacement leg showed up today. <laughs> Finally, I, Sam can bend his knee. <laughs> I successfully resisted the urge to buy these, and I was on the store page a lot. But I have uh, I have shut down the buying of any new items before I move. In fact, I'm yeah. getting things out of my apartment. <laughs> I have uh, I have some toys that are were wonderful gifts from my husband uh, that. I haven't taken out of the box yet because I was like, God, we're gonna have to move though in a few months. I can't I can't take this extremely great uh dragon quest eight uh sorry dragon quest 11 figure out of its thing of sylvando which like looks awesome but i'm like i'm just gonna have to pack it away again yeah yeah but you'll appreciate i'll point at sylvando when bob you come over to my a new place in the future and i finally unpacked all those toys we see the silvando you know. room yeah <laughs> he's you know i wish i could have him in more places but at least on my playstation account silvando is my avatar hmm. on playstation yeah but uh but yes thank you uh joe for letting us know that uh how good or not those sam max action figures were right? they're quality sculpts i can tell you that this is reminding me i pre-ordered that crusty figure a long time <laughs> ago <laughs> when the when the hell does that show up yeah, i don't know i you know quality takes time i'm not saying hurry it up uh pointing at my watch hurry okay. it up uh, uh super seven but come on guys but yes this is the final episode of talk to the audience for 2022 we want to thank everyone out there for supporting us and uh letting us have a week off after this uh because we all need to relax and mm. we have several thousand hours of content waiting for you you've probably forgotten about some of it <laughs> yeah i hope you guys enjoy the free version of the what a cartoon movie you'll be getting this week uh as well as the uh, King of the Hill 2 that you'll be getting and also you know if you haven't uh, signed up at the $10 level for it yet if you're looking for a good holiday listening and it leads into New Year's 
our Tokyo Godfathers podcast is really, really good. I, I, well, we're really proud of that one, and it's great for the season too. Yeah, and the film is uh, has never been more available or watchable because there's a very good dub. Yes, yeah. Please, please check out the movie and and our podcast on it too. To, to it's a perfect way to close out the year. Mm-hmm. And also, don't forget. New T-shirt on T Public from Nina Matsumoto. It is great. We love it, and you should you should get it as a, well. I guess a late Christmas gift uh-huh. to yourself, perhaps. a New Year's gift, perhaps. Yeah. And also follow the Instagram account, Talk Simpsons Pod, and also the Twitter account if you haven't yet. We appreciate mm-hmm. any follows there. Uh, who knows what's happening with Twitter? It's falling apart <laughs> as we are recording this right now. We can't. Yeah. It's now illegal to post links to websites. <laughs> so I guess uh, you'll have to go to Instagram on your own, guys. Yeah, we can't. We can't lead you there anymore. We're sorry. Uh, yes. But thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you again in 2023 for another new episode of Talk to the Audience. Please take care. Wow. Infotainment.